past two weeks, you've uh, been reading about a bad break. Yet today, I consider myself, remember that guy, the sports podcast where we learn our memories for nuggets of nostalgia about peripheral players past and present. I'm still your host, and I'm still James. Still joined by the other co-host, Diaz, and making his 10th consecutive appearance as the guest host. Please introduce yourself. Has it really been 10 already? Wow. I like that I, I like that I did a Lou Gehrig quote, and now we're already going to start talking up Xavier's big streak. This is great. This is just <laughs> energy. Well, thank you, James, for uh, for introducing myself. Uh, I am the special guest host, Xavier. Well, welcome once again, Xavier. It's, it's a pleasure to be here. We've gotten to make so many memories over these first nine episodes, but I'll go ahead and tell you guys who's making memories for me today, this 10th episode. And that is the... Golden Era Committee of the Veterans Selection Process for the Baseball Hall of Fame, who just this last week, I want to congratulate this decision. I do want to make sure to phrase this decision as the righting of two egregious wrongs, because it is absolutely absurd that these two individuals were not in the Hall of Fame yet. But at long last, Minnie Minoso and uh, bigger for me personally, just because I'm not the hugest White Sox fan, Buck O'Neill have finally been brought into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Minnie Mignoso, one of the first ever Latin-born superstars, Chicago White Sox legend, kind of the counterpart to Ernie Banks, Mr. Cub, and then Buck O'Neill, who was not a Hall of Fame player, was certainly not a Hall of Fame manager, probably wasn't really a Hall of Fame scout. One of those guys, though, that you still need to get in the Hall of Fame sometime, in large part because of his huge efforts, if anyone listening to this is not aware, to start and, and maintain and basically be the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum for, for many, many years. Uh, that position is now held by Bob Kendrick, who hosted a great party where a bunch of people in Buck O'Neill's honor celebrated, a lot of people in Chicago in Minnie Minoso's honor celebrated, but that's really the wrong that is still unfortunate from this. Both gentlemen certainly had many, many opportunities to be inducted while alive. Uh, even with the Veterans Committee. Buck, o- Buck O'Neill was passed over by the Veterans Committee a couple years ago while he was still with us. So it's unfortunate that they didn't get to see it, but a lot of people that cared very much about them and did a whole lot to get them properly recognized got to see it. So that's great. I'm thrilled about that. Love a big haul, and, and these guys belong in it. The only downside say- is that they brought in a guy at the same time who had a very, very public racist remark on television just, what, three months ago? Oh, and they still <laughs> left Dick Allen off. Like, this is... That was what they're I was tossing us up. peanuts. That's what I was going to bring up. So Dick Allen, this was actually the second time that he's come exactly one vote short of being made elected into the hall. The first time was when he was still with us, uh, and then he unfortunately died almost exactly a year ago. It was December 7th, 2020, and this is the second time that he came up just one vote short. And that's where there's too many sanctimonious assholes that vote for these things. Like, who's the one fucking guy that was like, you know what? No, Dick Allen, that's a line too far. He can't get in. Like... What are we doing? Just I mean, fucking thing, vote yes. The thing we know about those about those committees, the veterans committees, the gold like the, like the golden era, you know, the expansion era of today's game, modern baseball. It's sixteen people. They all know almost everybody else. We we know for a fact that there are people in the Hall of Fame right now who only got in there because their friends were on the committee. They didn't actually have the stat like the stats or any of the accolades for it. So I mean. The Hall of Fame election is a popularity contest on both sides. At, on your first go, it's a popularity contest with the writers. And you have people who this year have picked Bonds but not Clemens. And I don't know how you can 
make a yeah. real true distinction between them. There are people like Kurt Schilling, based on his everything he's said and done, he doesn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. But he doesn't want to be. He's, he he's on record. He want, Don't put him in. And he, he doesn't want to be now. Yeah, like, save yourself is, the trouble. As long as he's on the bet, like he's still got one more year in the ballot. He could still end up getting in if people just decide, you know what, we're not going to think about all of the personal things he's done that are terrible and just focus on the baseball. Because, again, if you have someone who picks Clemens but not Bonds or Bonds but not Clemens, like none of it really makes that much sense anyway. So you have writers who choose based on however the hell they feel that day. You know, nothing against the writers. Like, I don't, I just don't think Hall of Fame should be a writer's decision. And then you have a small group of very tight friends who get to choose who they want to be in just, uh, if you get 12 out of 16, is it? Uh, 13 out of 16? Either way, like, who knows what it goes on in, in those rooms. So the, the Hall of Fame for baseball is, re- is, it's really weird how they choose it. Really weird. And I mean, we're, you know, Diaz and I once spent a very unsafe nine hours driving to get there because it's it's a mecca. It's a place that's important. Oh, Memories yeah, I've been there and the way that like seven times. You, yeah, you live in New York. It doesn't count. Like, well, my my you, family used to summer in Cooperstown at at at, at a at a, at a, a set of cabins. My mom's family, so we were there every summer for a decade plus. They still go drapes on down. No, we we right after I got my driver's license, drove through uh, a day that was significantly worse weather than it was supposed to, and that frankly we probably shouldn't have driven through. But man, that was a, a white knuckle nine hours getting there. And again, it's because it's important. And we're we're gonna go in depth, I think, next week on a Hall of Fame and, and go ahead and do a, a theoretical baseball Hall of Fame ballot. So we can we can expand plenty more on the shortcomings of it. But when when we say that a place or something is important. And that place then recognizes people that we also very much deem to be important. I do think it is good for us to at least let's take a fucking win. There are enough losses for all of us <laughs> in the world today. Let's just take a fucking win. Buck O'Neill and Minnie Mignosa are in the, the Hall of Fame. So that's making memories for me. How about you, X? I'm going to say that as of 9.53 last night, the New York Rangers had the best record in the NHL. Right now they are second. One point behind the Florida Panthers. But as of 9.53 last night, they were number one. And I'm not going to argue that they're the best team in the NHL. They're probably not even in the top five. They've been very lucky with their wins. But at some point, you are what your record says you are. And if the Rangers are 18-5-3 after after 26 games, and they've lost a total of two games in the past 35 days, one of those the second night of a back-to-back, yeah, I'm 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 gonna take that, especially with the uh, the struggles of the Knicks going on. You know, MSG can only have one good team at a time ever since '93, '94. I'm just gonna warn you, X. At this point, the Rangers are legitimately the only entity that we have not set up like immediate downfalls and tragedy for by mentioning them on. No, this. I've talked about like, them a couple times, and they somehow I, I, keep no, still no, doing I know. <laughs> Exactly. I'm saying you're you're playing your luck out. Literally everyone else that's been mentioned has has flamed out in just about the worst case scenario possible. But hey, Canucks are on a fucking roll since we finally fired. It was uh, all Jim Benning's fault. It was. I don't know if you're joking, but I'm. No, I'm serious. I'm 100 serious. We gave like 20 million dollars to Jay Beagle. We gave 20 million dollars to Jay Beagle. 
I can't believe how bad of a GM Jim Benning has been. Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes just fell into his fucking lap, and he has just wasted this team. And I don't think we've lost since we brought in Bruce Boudreaux and Rutherford now as our executive vice president while we figure out a GM. Vancouver's back, baby. Vancouver's back. Flyers also right. ended their uh, 12 game, I think, losing streak. By last firing night. Elaine Vigneault. It's all it took. All it took was firing Elaine. And, all uh, three of us had to do it losses. eventually. Oh, wait, well, that is true. All three of our teams, all three of our teams have Vigneault. fired Elaine Vigneault at some point. At least we, you, we got to those Stanley Cup finals. This is true. Flyers never got that far with with Elaine. Yeah, I, um, it, was not, it was not a good era. But we will see. You know, I hopefully this was the only 12-game losing streak the Flyers have this year. But hey, to Elaine, au revoir. Au revoir to Elaine. And bonjour to the person who is making memories for me this week, which would be Ron Harper Jr., son of Ron Harper Sr. Hard to believe Ron Harper Sr. was the father of Ron ah, Harper Jr. that's crazy. Ron Harper Sr. himself, I think he has some great guy credentials. We can get into that later. Uh, former point guard for those Bulls teams with Jordan. Ron Harper Jr. for Rutgers hit the shot of a lifetime at the buzzer from half court to beat number one Purdue. The first time that Rutgers has ever beaten a number one team in college basketball. And I just, I love a great court storming. I love a great radio call. Oh, yeah. if, you have, if you haven't heard the Rutgers radio call, it's incredible because the color commentator... You know, walking all over the play-by-play guy's call, but as is to be expected. Incredible shot, shot of a lifetime. And I'd love in college since for a timeout, in the NBA, when you call timeout after a made basket, they advance it to half court. You don't do that in college. So a lot of the times, the crazy college shots is just one after another. So, you know, Purdue hit a shot, take a one-point lead just before that. And there wasn't the, okay, timeout, it's going to be two minutes until they take the shot, blah, blah, blah. It was like, no, quick inbound, holy shit, put it up. And I just, I love those finishes. European basketball is also similar to that, where they don't have as many timeouts at the end. That's a change I'd love to see in the NBA, just because I think the, the marginal gains for more strategy is not worth the incredible diminishment in excitement that you get when the action's just back to back to back like that. So... Ron Harper Jr., great shot. You have a career that leads you to such guy status as your father did playing for himself. You're making memories. Yeah, go use Scarlet Knights. No, Can that's I great. Else up real quick after uh, that I just forgot about. Please, yeah. I really, really, really want to give a shout out to Trevor Zegris and Sonny Milano for one of the greatest goals I've ever seen. I, mean, flip. I don't know if the, the, I don't flip, know if the you... flip in the... Yes, James, have you seen this? Oh, yeah, the lacrosse-ass goal. Yes, the incredibly lacrosse goal. It was an alley-oop. It was an actual alley-oop. For any listeners who haven't seen it, uh, this was uh, the Anaheim Ducks, Sonny Milano and Trevor Zegris, teammates. Uh, Zegris was behind the net, crouched down, got the puck up on his stick, flipped it up over the (laughs) net. Sonny Milano just batted it in from the front. It's pretty much just a full-on alley-oop pass. And I have never seen that before in all of my years watching hockey. And I thought that was incredible. On a more somber note, I also want to give a special shout out uh, in remembrance to Demarius Thomas, one of my favorite ever wide receivers, and also an incredible person who did a lot for his community. Um, I I remember um, really learning about his story with his, his mother and his grandmother and, you know, meeting President Obama and getting 
commutations uh, for their sentences and, you know, just how incredible it was for his grandmother there at the Super Bowl after having been in jail for 20 years. Gone, gone too soon. RIP Demarius Thomas. So I'll always remember that long touchdown that he had uh, from Tebow in that playoff game against the Steelers. Yeah, the first play of overtime. So it was the first play of overtime, and that was also the first game that had the rule where if you kick a field goal on the first possession, mm-hmm. then that doesn't end it. So I just remember, like, the dramatic buildup, like, all right, and, like, the new rules this time, and Demarius Thomas from the first play says, fuck the new rule, I'm taking it all the way. Um, so I, I always I always love that, and, yeah, you know, one of, one of my favorite compliments you can ever say for a great athlete, and Peyton Manning said this about Demarius, is, you know, he's a better person than he was a player, and he's a Hall of Fame player. And I think that really sums it up. So, Mary has gone too soon, but, you know, his legacy will continue to live on through all the great work he did off the field. So, I think that's a, a nice uh, consolation. Totally. And, and not to, like, not to trivialize it, but something that I think has been interesting about this is Demarius Thomas is a modern player in this time where fantasy football has become so much huger in the last decade than than it was even before that. And I feel like... Man, everyone's had Demarius Thomas on a team at some point. And then on on the tragic note, like it's the first real person from that generation to kind of pass in this way. So it's one of those first times that I think people talk in basketball a lot, how sometimes there's a divorcing of fandom from team fandom between fantasy sports, between the way the players market themselves. You sometimes follow a player more. And I don't think it's fully taken over in football, but I think people have definitely grown more attached to players they wouldn't know about otherwise and it's sad it's very sad um on a lighter note let's end on one one slightly funnier thing for making memories going back to what you were saying with college sports for the most part i could give two shits about college football but kenny pickett did one of the coolest things that has ever been done in a sport if you have not seen kenny pickett's fake slide touchdown run Go look up a video of it, because as of yesterday, it has been confirmed that it's the only one of those that will ever exist. Kenny Pickett aiming to go for the slide, make the defenders kind of ease up for a moment, manages to not touch the ground at all, and then sprints past them for a touchdown. It's a great play. It was incredibly dope to see. It's also really cool anytime anyone does something where like, nope, nope, can't do that anymore. We, we didn't know what to do in the moment, but we can say now safely, nope, do not do that anymore. I just, I love the juxtaposition of, you know, it took decades of research into concussions to say, hey, maybe we shouldn't let people launch themselves into other people's heads anymore. But it took one second of some tomfoolery by Kenny Pickett, and instantly the entire football world comes together to say, you can't do that shit anymore. So <laughs> I love, I just love the, um, the priorities. Maybe the NFL and, well, not the NFL. Maybe the game of football at large has learned from how long they took to correct the the head hits thing that they knew they had to correct this quickly because on a level, you know, it is a player safety thing too, because yeah, someone's going to launch themselves at at a guy and say, Oh, I thought he wasn't like that. Kenny Pickett's play could have gotten another quarterback killed. It is good that the reps are making this decision. I agree with that. I'm also glad that this one beautiful singular play will always exist in relation to that. If not for this rule, there would have been a lot more. It was Joe Flacco that got cleaned out that one time, mm-hmm. right? He's, Against he the slid, Dolphins, yeah. He slid, and that was uh, Kiko Alonso. Yeah, Kiko. and then we didn't let the oh, Dolphins score a single touchdown that night. Um, Diaz, 
we have something special prepared today, and I think it would be best if we let you uh, kind of take it away from here for a moment. Absolutely. So I mentioned this almost as a bit when I first brought it up, but the more we discussed it, we the more we decided it would be a great format for the podcast. So we would like to welcome you to our Relitigation special. For every 10 episodes, we're going to go back through the previous episodes that we've done. And if you've been following the pod, we've had some very tough decisions for who gets elected into the Hall of Guy. Each of us would bring a great candidate. There could only be one Highlander style. But now we want to take an opportunity to look back and reflect on the 18 people who were not voted into the Hall of Guy and decide maybe we should give them a second look and maybe they deserve to get back in. Uh, before we start, we do want to acknowledge two people who were not related to the Hall of Guy in a direct sense, but there are two people that we need to acknowledge. So the first one would be Chris Matthews' agent is the only non-athlete guy currently in the, the Hall The builder of category, I think is how we've put it. The builder category, yes. So putting guys in a position to become guys... We thank Chris Matthews' agent for his diligence in ensuring that Chris Matthews not stay at his security job and did, in fact, go to the tryout, which allowed him to create such incredible memories as recovering that onside kick and then being the Seahawks' leading receiver in the Super Bowl. So thank you to Chris Matthews' agent, the, the builder, the inaugural builder to be voted in. And we also want to acknowledge the only individual who has been banned from the Hall of Guy. Lifetime ban. Lifetime ban. If he wants to buy a ticket, he can come and he can be a paying <laughs> customer. He himself will never be in the Hall of Guy. And maybe maybe posthumously. Maybe posthumously. But maybe, not in this lifetime. Not in this lifetime. Amet Okor, for stealing Marcus Camby's deserved All-Star Game appearance. He is banned. He is the second worst Mamet that any of us have ever seen. And we hate him. And he is not welcome in the Hall of Guy during his lifetime. So other things yeah. happen, extenuating circumstances. Maybe we'll reconsider. But as of now, it is a lifetime ban. Yeah, and and I want to say, like, we're all, I think we're all big Hall advocates. As I said, we're, we're going to do a Hall of Fame ballot at some point. And I know for a fact there, there's a minimum of 10 people that I'd want to vote for on something like that. So we want we want this to reflect people at large. but. The thing is, the people we're bringing up today, they weren't the best in their category. We've already decided that. So what we need to decide today, do their guy credentials outside of that particular lens still rise them up enough from the rest of the pack? And Diaz, I, if, if you would not mind, I'm happy to hear your first uh, eligible candidate for relitigation. Absolutely. So... To me, when I think of the general term of guy, and in the vein of this podcast, remember that guy, the test that I came up with in my head is if I sit down at a random sports bar in every town USA, and I say, hey, you remember that guy? The odds are that that person is going to remember this guy, and we can have a three to five minute conversation about this guy, regardless of how much you actually follow that sport. You're going to hear the name. You're going to remember the guy. You're going to be able to talk about them. So this is, yeah, this is the platonic ideal of the term, I think. Exactly. So for me, the first one that I wanted to bring back up for reconsideration is Anderson Verjao. Okay. Plain, just plain 
such a key role on so many teams without ever being a star player himself. You know, his early Cavs teams, um, he was on the Warriors teams for a bit and always playing a role, always a guy that was on the court. So that was the first one I wanted to bring up. And the format that we want to do here is we're each going to just bring up our guy that we think should be reconsidered, and then we'll kind of have a roundtable discussion. So um, I will kick it to James for your first nominee for reconsideration. Well, I do real quick. One thing I want to say is Anderson Verichow is the person that initially brought up Anderson Verichow. One of my favorite things about him, I love when a guy has a recurring bit. And the bit that he has in his lifetime of consistently being parts of championship teams without not technically being parts of championship performances, just excellent commitment to, to a through line for the whole career. So that's, that's something that I would say in, in defense of Anderson Verichow as he comes up there. Similarly to what you said, I, I tried to think about what kind of defines the people that we're bringing up here. Yeah, you know, what... what the things that we talk about in sports, the things we care about in sports, I bring up, I think, a lot of the time that it's all a zero-sum game. You know, in in any sport, all but one team's fans, look, you can have a successful season if you make the playoffs and you're happy with that, or if you have a winning record and you're happy with that. But at the end of the day, one team wins, and most people lose. I think, in particular, loss has been a very important through line throughout all of this. We've certainly talked about people that have won championships. You know, even even some of the people that I've brought up that have had some of the most gut-wrenching losses, like Harvey Haddock's losing a game that he threw 12 perfect innings in. That's horrible. He also won a World Series the next year with the Pirates in one of, like, the best World Series ever. So it, it is not mutually exclusive with some level of success. But I do think loss is very important. For that reason, one person that has stuck out to me since we initially spoke about it, when I think of this moment, it is a moment of, again, immense success for someone else. Zero-sum game. It is the crowning achievement for one team and the most notable moment for another person as they lose. And it's Kevin Dyson. Kevin Dyson has just completely linked with me because I, I can't think of any images of Kurt Warner from that Super Bowl. I can't think of any images of Marshall Falk from that Super Bowl. Like I can't think of... The only Ram I can picture from that Super Bowl is who? Mike Jones, because he's tackling Kevin Dyson. And, and the only image there is, is that moment of, of Kevin Dyson going there. And, and I don't know, I now know much more about Kevin Dyson, but at the time, I didn't know anything else about Kevin Dyson. I just think of him failing. And that's, it's such a harsh word. He's someone that reached the Super Bowl. But like so many other guys, it's a loss. And, and, you know, if you said to someone, Kevin Dyson, who's Kevin Dyson? Oh, it's the guy that came up short for the Tennessee Titans in the Super Bowl. Same as you're saying, even if someone doesn't know Kevin Dyson, you have now initiated a three to five minute conversation just by saying that line. So all of that to say, Kevin Dyson fits the mold of a guy too, too well to not be brought back up for reinduction. So I, I uh, will bring up with my first of my two available spots, Kevin Dyson, and I will go ahead and pass the mic to you, X. It's funny, I was also going to go with Kevin Dyson, but for a completely different reason. So I do have backups that I will say, but I just want to, just real quick, I was I was really into Kevin Dyson's secondary career in education. I very much Dr. agree. Dyson. Let's, let's Dr. Dyson, yes. Dr. Dr. Dyson. Dyson. My apologies, Dr. Dyson. Dr. Kevin Dyson. Two master's degrees and a doctorate. 
that's incredible. And the uh, I was reading more about everything he's been doing over the past year to try to keep kids at his at his, at his high school safe with, as much as he could in a state like Tennessee. And so I had I really I really wanted to bring him up to talk about that, but I will leave that to James because the other person I would like to bring up is Ben Zobrist. I think Ben Zobrist needs a win. I think Ben Zobrist could... Uh... Well, uh, <laughs> in, again, in Ben Zobrist's defense, Ben Zobrist is one of very, very few people to ever win championships in two consecutive years with two different teams across any sport. Yeah, uh, but Ben that... Zobrist has wins, but I understand. Yes, That all they, happened they... before his wife cheated on him with his pastor, who was also his marriage counselor. The two of them were stealing his money while also trying to get him to continue playing so they could steal more of his money while he was very depressed, while also having sex with each other, while he was also very depressed trying to go through counseling. Yeah. That is a really, really, really shitty situation. Hey, here's a question for you. Here's a question. Like, is Ben Zobris the second best ever Tampa Bay Ray at this point? Evan Longoria is the best Ray. Is Is it Ben Zobris or is it David Price? I mean, I was even thinking Blake Snell actually... Pitching no. them to a World Series. Like, oh, no, I guess they were in a World Series before that, too. Yeah, David Price pitched yeah, them to David a World Price Series. Did, yeah, like, that's right, okay. that's right. Tell no, it's, it's, it, I mean, Evan Longoria is the best Ray. Is it Ben Zobrist at number two? What about Kiermaier? Kiermaier's pretty good. Like, Kiermaier's an incredible center fielder, but Ben Zobrist was incredibly valuable with the glove at multiple positions. I'd hear David Price, but I think you have, like, Ben Zobrist is a top three all-time Tampa Bay Ray right now. Minimum. I think, I think he's got to be there. I think there's current Rays that have a chance to get there. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Wander, 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 Wander Franco Wander could, could be number up, one by the end of this. Wander Franco is the first. They haven't locked in for 15 years. So, yeah. You know. I would say Wander. I think if Randy Rosarena continues on an upward trajectory, I think sure. he's got a shot. But I think, I think Zobrist as the number two Ray, number two guy for his week. I think, I think, uh, I think all that checks out. God, could you imagine your wife cheating on you with your pastor and then suing you? No, saying, no, saying I very because, thoroughly could saying, not imagine that. Saying that because you were depressed and took time off from playing baseball, you were failing to preserve marital assets by not earning money that she could then spend. I hope he said kiss my marital assets. <laughs> he probably didn't, but I hope he did. I think they're still in litigation, but... We'll, we'll, we will see. Well, now he's in. That. Now he's in litigation. I also, I, I will also say, just as we as we dwell on it for a second, I do very much appreciate your your emphasis on the second life. I think we'll come back to that. But Exons, um, we are doing this snake style because, as as you saw, I, I snuck one out from underneath you. But now you get a chance with your with your next one to make sure it's that in right. the second round uh, you get your guy. Is it okay if my second one is also from James? Because I, I the think. Way, the, the way I had my, I can, I can do one for either, but my, the I'll, next I'll leave one that on to Diaz. Was James? I'll the leave one that after to Diaz. That was from Diaz. That's I'm, I'm not married to any of my guys. I'm married to the concept of guys being recognized. So if, if you feel James has two that are worthy of reconsideration, say go for it. Yeah, because I just, I feel like I, I, Stephen Bradbury. I was ready to vote for Stephen Bradbury last week before James. Said Mike McGee to start to like before before anything else happened. James immediately said Mike McGee because of the guy quote. 
Yeah. But I feel like Mike McGee sewed it up. Mike McGee took like he went out and took the trip. You have to respect someone that just goes out. And, and Stephen Bradbury had to get sewn up multiple times because of insane injuries that would have killed another man. And yet he was the guy. Well, he had, at the he end. had 111 <laughs> stitches. Do you think after 110, they were like, it'll be a nice number if we do one more? I'm sure they were thinking, let's make this guy not dead. Um, well, I mean, <laughs> you've been thinking that probably for the first 70 stitches. Like, you have to think about something else at some point. Doing 111 <laughs> stitches, I imagine, takes a lot of time. I think about biking for the first hour of an hour and a half bike ride. I have to think about something else for the last half hour. Fair enough, I, fair it, enough. It's not his area of expertise, but I'd love to bring Femi in. I feel like he's in enough surgery rooms that he may have some insights there. Yeah, just like I, small talk by the end of it. Are people talking about their weekends? Does the weather come up? Whenever 420 comes up on his machine that reads the things, this is why I'm not a doctor. Anytime that 420 pops up, I get I get a Snapchat from him. And it's always like... <laughs> I always get Snapchat nice. from like, Femi. <laughs> So I just assume that people, when they're when they're tired doing surgeries, they're just taking a quick pick. They're like, "Hey, I just put 110 stitches in this guy. Should I do one more?" And that's sending what, it to their friends. That's what I'm saying. But yes, I mean Stephen Bradbury. It feels like he's not not only was it a second life, he was a cat with nine lives because he probably should have been dead a couple times, and yet he keeps coming back. And he keeps bleaching his hair as blonde as possible with it with I those don't, incredible. I spikes. don't think it's bleached. I think like looks, some of it is. I think you spend enough time in Australia and that likes to. I I don't know. Maybe it's a recessive allele that has slowly been coaxed out of of the the interbreeding on the aisle. I'm getting way too close to saying once again very very terrible things about the nation of Australia. This this picture of him with the gold medal. His hair is completely spiked up in every direction. Yeah. With, I mean, the the roots are definitely much darker, so it's, it's got to be some sort of dye. I'm but trying to give him the benefit of the great. doubt that maybe it's, like, sun-bleached because no, he's I, just being, like, I a love beach it, dude. I think it's fantastic. I, he's, he went all in with, I shouldn't be here. I'm going to enjoy myself and do what I want to do. That that look of jo- of just pure joy, like, yeah, yeah, I'm Australian. You can tell. I, 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 I love Stephen Bradbury. Well, there we go. We got Stephen Bradbury for for our number four spot with the number five spot. Going back to what you said about second lives, X. I think that has once again been a very crucial thing. Like there, there's definitely I think been some people that we brought in exclusively for their performance. Someone like I mean, I would say someone like Pete Weber, but that's also because Pete Weber like hasn't had a life really outside of ever <laughs> being a bowler. There's there's definitely been some guys that we've focused on. The on-field and the off-field. And the guy that I wanted to bring from from X's roster was Sean Johnson. Because I felt like Sean Johnson hit very early on. Once again, a lot of the... It's the first ever appearance of Dancing with the Stars in this show, which has come up a couple more times since then. Um, So I think there's something to be said for, for first bringing that reality edge into life. And we've got the element of coming short we've got the element of not living up to the hype she she you know gets to that team and teammate nastia lucan uh, is the one that ends up running away with everything uh still some level of success like not a career that anyone's going to look back on and, and be devastated by and then just this seemingly 
super happy YouTube influencer life afterwards, do, doing her Dancing with the Stars shtick. And I, John Johnson was one of the guys in our discussions where I've had the most visceral memory of something, which was like watching my sister as she was watching ABC Family and seeing for weeks the build-up to a cameo appearance that Sean Johnson was going to make on Secret Life of the American Teenager. Like, the <laughs> amount that ABC Family hyped up Sean Johnson's cameo appearance on Secret Life of the American Teenager was absolutely unreal. Um, this is, of course, by the way, the show starring now Mrs. Aaron Rodgers, Shailene Woodley. Uh, that was where she got her breakout. So we can blame everything that's going on with that situation with this show as well. But it's those, it's, there's, you've got a visceral memory that stands out to you. You've got the second life that ends up being able to stand on its own. The first ever appearance of Dancing with the Stars. Coming up short. Unrecognized hype. I, I just don't think there's... I, I appreciate that it gives us an opportunity to, to recognize gymnastics for the first time in the hall. So, Sean Johnson is my second nominee for relitigation. Did Charlotte enjoy the episode? I don't know that my sister enjoyed a single episode of The Secret Life of the American Teenager, but she watched three seasons of it. I also watched most of those three seasons with her. I can say confidently I did not enjoy a single episode of it, but I did watch it. It was a show that was on. Well, So, you know, yet again, James, as you did before the turn stealing one that Xavier is going to go with, Sean Johnson is who I was going to go with from Xavier's list, so... I think that's a good sign for the guy credentials as we dive into it after this. But the last one that I'll bring up is we can't have the agent in and not discuss the guy. Chris Matthews, I want to bring back up for reconsideration because I think, you know, in a similar vein of Kevin Dyson, there's a moment and it's not as big of a moment as the Super Bowl moment, but that onside's kick. I remember when they recovered that onside's kick and, uh, What's his face? The tight end for the Packers fucked it up. That's like a that's a seminal like moment kind of thing. And then the other thing that I would say for him is, you know, you mentioned fantasy football earlier in the show. Um, Xavier and I are in a dynasty football league where you keep players, you keep the same roster year to year. You only draft the rookies. And Chris Matthews, on the basis of that Super Bowl performance and the hype that he got in the offseason, there was absolutely a window where Chris Matthews would have been considered one of the top young receivers and you could have gotten like real assets for him in a trade. And I just think that's hilarious because there's always guys like that. We need to hear the stories of the people that made out like bandits on Chris Matthews halls. We need the untold stories of who got like a prospect package with fucking, I don't know. A first round uh, rookie pick for Chris Matthews based off his Super Bowl. Like, yeah, there you fucking go. Someone would have had to draft him since it was off season. So somebody would have have had to draft him in the rookie draft, uh, rookie slash free agent draft. So I wonder who did that. I wonder if we could find out who did that. It depends how different leagues do it. So, like, <clears throat> in our Dynasty League, yes, he would have been off unless somebody had a prescient Week 17 signing. But in one of my other leagues, the, the waiver wire is open throughout the playoffs. Trades are closed until the Super Bowl ends. So you could have seen him recover that onside's kick and said, hmm, there's something to this yeah, guy. Yeah. And you, and, you, and you could have turned it around. But, yeah, I, 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 I love just... The, the whole story of Chris Matthews needing to be convinced to to go to his tryout. 
And you know, thank God he did because we wouldn't have been able to discuss him on this podcast had he not. So I do want to bring back up Chris Matthews for reconsideration. So I think we have our six now. So I let off with Anderson Varejao. And we went Kevin Dyson. Then we went with, you brought up Ben Zobrist. And Stephen Bradbury. Stephen Bradbury. Back around to Sean, Sean Johnson, Johnson. And Mr. Hardball himself, Chris Matthews, to round it out. So I guess, like, where we need, now need to come down to this, because to me, like, I, I would say six of six, but that's, that seems too easy. I, my initial thought is, of these six, there are two that feel like a lot of overlap. Chris I Matthews agree. and Kevin Dyson, I, I worry, can we bring in both of them in the same class? Because I, I think for much of the rest of it, we've got very distinct careers we're very distinct in sports. Otherwise, it's the only sport overlap that we're potentially discussing here. And I'm not opposed to it. I'm not 100% against it. But the, the thing that stands out to me when I look at this list of six today is Kevin Dyson and Chris Matthews both together on the same list. Sure. The, the thing I would say for Dr. Kevin Dyson is there's so many little tidbits that you can just say about Dr. Kevin Dyson. So obviously, the whole doctor thing running schools, public, uh, public school hero, Kevin Dyson, Dr. Kevin Dyson. He not only was the one-yard short guy, he was also the Music City Miracle guy. Mm-hmm. So the guy who runs that in for the touchdown. Um, as I mentioned on the episode that we have with him as well, he and his brother are the only set of brothers to both score a touchdown in the same game. So I think that is a I completely forgot about that one. That was an incredible tidbit. That's absolutely if you make a plaque, that's like the last line on the plaque. That's that's right. absolutely like a phenomenal factoid. And, and and in the vein of the 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 kind of um the bar test that we came up with, does he pass the bar? You know, that's that's a tidbit that you would bring up at the bar and somebody would go, Holy shit, what about Tiki yeah. and Ronde? Uh no, yeah. Tiki and Ronde, fuck them both. They never did that shit. <laughs> after Kevin Dyson. So that would be that would be my further advocacy for Dr. Kevin Dyson. Um, I will I think also say credentials are strong. I, as as the person that brought Kevin Dyson back up, I will say something that draws me to him very much is uh, I do also love a tie to a geographic area. Like is very much a Tennessee dude. That's that's something that stands out to me very much. Someone that that puts roots down. You know, you love to see a a, a single franchise guy when when you're talking about Hall of Fame voting um, and Hall of Guy. We're not just talking single franchise. We're talking like he's 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 in on that state. It's, I I think something very interesting about it, like you say is he's got a moment similar to someone like Stefan Diggs, where you have you have literally a play that has the word miracle in it. We have the Minneapolis miracle. We have the music city miracle. Both of those are ultimately unsuccessful. And it's, it's the question of like, think of how that colors our perception of these moments that are incredible in the moment. And then ultimately are, are part of a larger losing effort. No, I am sorry. I admit I'm, I'm confusing this one. The Chris Matthews one is on the way to the Seahawks Super Bowl victory. Or that is on the way to the Seahawks Super Bowl loss to the Patriots. Super Bowl loss. That that that, right. was, that was the year of the. That is the Malcolm Butler year. Yes. These guys are so similar, and they're both so good. X, do you have do you have anything else about Chris Matthews that just like really screams to you he needs to he needs to be in? I was trying to find out who draft who had him in our fantasy league because I know someone did, but I do not have access to our original rookie draft in 2015. 
because again, it's not it's not that I want to advocate mm. against Chris Matthews. I think what we've done here in in further deliberations, like Kevin Dyson's got to be in. Kevin Dyson has to be in, yes. and there are a lot of shades of Kevin Dyson's story that show up in Chris Matthews' story, and that's not a knock on Chris Matthews. We've established Kevin Dyson's story. Mm. We love it's beautiful, and much of Chris Matthews' story is too. Xavier, is there anything to push me over the edge for Chris Matthews? Because I, I am still on the on the fence. Help two, me, help the, me buy in. Two of the things that I love the most about Chris Matthews are his CFL career, uh, where he was mm. you know, most outstanding rookie, eighty-one receptions for twelve hundred yards and seven TDs in the same year that he had played for the Iowa Barnstormers. Because remember, he played spring football with the Iowa Barnstormers and then fall with the CFL, and then also. If you had a Chris Matthews rookie card, you could have sold it for 3,500 times its value uh, during the uh, su- during the Super Bowl. So you know what, you know what that that bit right there, that bit right there brought me back <laughs> to Nolan Reimold and to that desire, the innate desire of a sports fan to when you see potential believe in the absolute maximum of that potential we're talking about it here with the fantasy we're talking about it with the card there that last that got me in i believe i know it's boring but hey we we love a big haul i i don't think there's anyone to keep out i think this is six for six with that let's welcome anderson verjao kevin dyson ben sobris steve bradbury sean johnson and chris matthews to the hall hey Fuck it, if we're just going to list guys, let's go ahead and go through the whole hall now, y'all. We have Damian Miller. We have Nolan Rymel, Carlos Arroyo, Dara Torres, Hillary Lunky, Chris Matthews' agent, Marcus Canby. We do have, at that time, also an acknowledgement of Mehmet Okor's lifetime ban. Fuck you, Mehmet Okor. We have Walt Hazard, Don Zimmer, Pete Weber, Mike McGee, and our new... First ever read a litigation class. I guess this is kind of our veterans committee, so to speak. Mm, and yes. so the read litigation veterans committee inducts these six to our now, I believe that makes this a 16 person, 17 person hall. This is growing in size. And and yeah, I'm I am happy for all of this new recognition. And with that, we I I believe we can consider this read litigation closed. Do we have any final closing comments on any of these inductees? You're all winners. They're all Wrong winners, winning. and yet somehow Anderson Verajao still only got one minute in all of this, uh, which feels appropriate. <laughs> but as as we mentioned on his episode, you know, sometimes Anderson only needs one minute. He had the Game 7 with the Warriors against the Thunder, where in one minute he had two points, two assists, one charge taken. Just a man of efficiency. We knew as soon as we brought him up, he was in. So the Reverse Tony Snell. I would just like to also one more time remind everybody that Anderson Verjao is part of the world's most controversial ongoing world record, which is what is the largest number of people to concurrently wear wigs at the same time? God, that was such a stupid thing to learn about. I loved it so much. Um, and that's why, we Very good. that's why we have loved discussing these inductees. But I think that just about does it. Right, fellas? I think so. Any parting comments on the way out? Just, I'm very glad that this veterans committee is just yeah that's a guy they're in versus the fucking baseball writers assholes that are like well if you compare his peak to the peak of this and that and blah 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 like uh, very I, I much of know. the mind like, every hall of fame ballot should essentially be check yes or no 
no max sizes, just go down the list. Is this person a Hall of Fame? Do you believe this person in any capacity belongs in the Hall of Fame? We're very transparent with our decision making. That's something that they could take a uh, t- take something from. Yeah. I, I, Record I all of your meetings. I challenge the Baseball Writers Association to have their voting discussions as a live podcast. Broadcast to the world. If you're going to be a fucking dickhead and say that somebody can't get in on a technicality, then you should own that. And you should be loud and proud about it because you're an asshole. Why are you going to be an asshole in private? You should own it that you're an asshole. (laughs) Well, for this and more just, you know, incredibly strong takes about the uh, Hall of Fame process, go ahead and join us next week where, yeah, we're just going to fill out uh, a Hall of Fame as we kind of take our time in this holiday season to go easy on ourselves before hopping back into some full discussions next year. But that'll be our plan for next week. So look forward to a lovely discussion about some of our favorite baseball memories. In the meantime, thank you so much for listening. This has been Remember That Guy. I remain, once again, your host, James. I'm the special guest host, Xavier. And I'm Diaz. And as Meek Mill once said, I used to pray for guys like this. <laughs> I used to pray for guys like this. This is just a game.